Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of The Gamer's Advocate. My name is Adam Bankhurst, and just like every week, I like to bring you three topics. Two that are more current events, and the last one is a topic that may be inspired by a current event, but is more something a little different. So we have three topics this week. The first one is focusing on Far Cry 5 and the long-running franchise by Ubisoft is coming back to America and more specifically Montana. In topic two we're going to jump into Sonic Mania. The release date was announced and it got me thinking of my history with Sonic, how I feel about the character and where I could see the franchise going and just kind of wanted to talk about that because I know he's a very divisive character. And topic number three is a thing that has been bothering me for a very long time, and it's about release dates and how people announce games way too early. And it kind of ruins excitement for games and makes me, frankly, not care for certain things. So those are the three main topics that we're going to be talking about today. As always, if you want to have your voice heard or you want to contribute to a topic, feel free to send me an email at adam at thegamersadvocate.com. Without further ado, I kind of want to jump in to topic one. Far Cry 5. If you're familiar with this Far Cry franchise that's been around since 2004, it's this open world where it usually has been taking you to these tropical settings where you can ride a multitude of vehicles, get all these different weapons, and fight with these very intriguing and deep characters and kind of see a world that's being torn apart by either militia or, or corrupt government officials or a variety of other terrible things happening in the world. What I think the Far Cry series has really excelled at is giving you villains that you care about, especially in the promotion, because some of them, once you actually play the game, don't really get enough screen time. I'm thinking of Pagan Min, who when was first launched and voiced by Troy Baker, thought he would be this really deep, incredible character. He was barely the focus of the game, which was sad, but we all think of Voss in Far Cry 3, and he was just this crazy character that you never knew what was gonna happen, and it made for a very exciting moment that gave you some weight and some things to do while you're out just kind of messing around and exploring this crazy world. But Far Cry 5 brings it back, brings it to America for the first time, and more specifically, Hope County, Montana. You take the role of a junior deputy, and there's this doomsday cult called Project at Eden's Gate that's taking over this county, and it's led by this man named Joseph. His whole mission is to take this county under his control because he believes that the government is facing an imminent collapse. I know there's a lot of people in our current society may be feeling the same way. And it's an interesting parallel to real world. And speaking with the developers, they've said that they're not trying to really do a commentary on it, but the parallels are pretty unmistakable. And I'm sure this will spark a lot of debates between gamers and non-gamers alike. Whenever these crazy, divisive storylines appear in gaming, usually the non-gaming media picks up on them because they like these taglines and they like hearing about the scandals and what can make people tune in and start screaming on Facebook about. So it'll be interesting to see the fallout of this game because I think it's an interesting concept to see this idyllic or peaceful town being taken over by this group and being corrupted and seeing how you are able to solve it. Now, as this junior deputy, it's up to you to kind of form a resistance and take back Hope County. And along the way, you're going to be meeting some very interesting allies, like Pastor Jerome, whose church was taken over, basically, by this project at Eden's Gate. He led the followers of the church to his cult, and now Jerome is trying to keep this church 
sacred and hopefully win back the hearts of the people and stop them from being disillusioned by this crazy cult. And there are three ally trailers, which the other two I'll get to in a second. But Pastor Jerome's was interesting because he was reading what you think is a Bible, but the pages are cut out and there is a pistol in there. So he's not afraid to go to extreme measures to make sure that his land is not corrupted. Now one of the other characters that we're introduced to is Mary May. And in the video we join her at a bar that was once her father's, and her father was killed by this cult. And we hear that her mother and her brother go missing, so maybe they were taken or they have joined the cult, we're still not really sure. During this introduction to her character, she's talking and there's nice music going on, but she is making Molotov cocktails and preparing her bar and preparing to take her town back. And lastly, we're introduced to Nick Rye, who is a pilot and a soon-to-be father, whose father and grandfather fought for the United States in the World Wars, and he's afraid that this world, and more specifically this county, won't be here when his new unborn son or daughter arrives. So you'll be working with these three characters, and most likely a lot more, to take back Hope County. And doing so is, well, where the Far Cry fun comes in. Not only will you be able to get in big rigs and cars and boats, but you're actually going to be able to use planes this time. You'll be able to take advantage of these guns and fans for hire, as they're called, where you're going to be able to recruit people and animal groups to do your bidding, as it were. And what's maybe most exciting is the game can be played in single player or full two player co-op. So you'll be able to bring a player along and I'm sure jump in, jump out, join at different parts of the story and experience this tale of redemption with a friend. So the game isn't being released until February 27th, 2018, which is actually my birthday, which gives me a pretty good excuse to pick this up on launch day. And while we've only gotten our first look at it, I bet you at E3, hopefully there'll be some hands-on or really get to see what makes this game tick. Because my history with the Far Cry franchise is one of great interest at the beginning, and I jump into the games and I love them, but I tend to kind of fade off as it goes on because it feels a little bit of the same. I don't know. I like the stories in the world, but something just doesn't pull me in completely. I love the hype train going up to it and the build-up and hearing about the characters and the world and it all sounds very interesting. But once I get into the game, while it's fun for a while, it just, these games are so big and massive that it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't hold my interest for whatever reason. The most recent one I played obviously was Far Cry Primal and that actually had a different issue. Because what I loved about Far Cry Primal is you had to use bow and arrows and sneak around and you were really at a disadvantage. But after a while, you get pretty powerful, and that tension and fear kind of goes away, and then it actually felt like the other Far Cry games to a point. So I like the stories, but I've actually not completed one in ever, probably. And I would love to do that, because I like these games, but as I've said in previous shows, I love playing new things, and there's new things coming out all the time, and my interest gets ping-ponged very, very easily. But this looks interesting. I like the take on it. I mean, I like the real world ties, vaguely or otherwise, that kind of ground it in reality and make you think, because that's what I look for in games. I love stories that challenge your perception or challenge your point of view. And I hope they really dive into this and aren't afraid to tackle some sad, scary subjects. So we'll see what happens with Far Cry 5, but I'm curious, are you interested in Far Cry? What is your history with the franchise? Will you be jumping into Hope County and trying to take back what is rightfully yours once this launches on February 27th? Let me know below, and who knows, maybe one day we'll be playing co-op together. And that's Far Cry 5. Now on to topic 2. Sonic Mania. This is basically the Blue Bomber, Sonic the Hedgehog's return to his 
his roots. I mean, we had Sonic Episode 4 that came to a bunch of platforms and was supposed to get multiple episodes, but kind of stopped after a while. And there was a, it was a good return to the series roots, but this looks to really take what fans loved about Sonic and really give them everything that they've loved in a new and remixed way. They said that there's going to be new stages, and there's going to be remix stages. And I'm sure we'll get Green Hill Zone again, because what's a Sonic game without Green Hill Zone? And you'll be able to play as fan favorite Sonic and Tails and Knuckles and use their abilities like Tails' ability to fly a little higher, Knuckles' abilities to punch like crazy, and really kind of get back to what made Sonic great. And that's kind of what I wanted to discuss more so than the news, which is that the game is releasing on August 15th on Steam and Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. And it's going to be, while it'll be exciting to do that, I wanted to kind of talk about my history with the Sonic franchise and what people's perception of it is. Because what I hear from a lot of people is that the memory of Sonic is much better than the actual game. And I fondly remember playing Sonic the Hedgehog, the first one, when I got a Sega Genesis, probably a year or so after it came out. And I did enjoy it. I liked the music and the world. I was more of a Nintendo guy, as you could obviously tell. But I really did like their take on this platformer, and it was it felt very different than Mario. And I think the first time that I really enjoyed Sonic on a deeper level was when I got it on the Game Gear, even though the version may have not been the best and you had to use maybe 300 batteries to power this behemoth of a system. It was cool to be able to take Sonic on the go with you, which is something that I truly appreciate and love as I'm moving and traveling and doing stuff all the time. Even when I was younger, I was going from house to house and place to place, and being able to take Sonic and my video games with me was something truly special. Now when the Dreamcast came out, Sonic Adventure was there, and that is when, and what I would say is my favorite Sonic game, and I had such a great time with that game, and maybe I'm looking at it with rose-tinted glasses. But I just remember loving the world and just getting this crazy backstory, and I'll never forget the first level with the whale chasing you and the graphics blowing me away during that time. And it was cool to see the story from different perspectives and playing different characters and unlocking secrets, and I just loved that world. And I thought Sonic was really on the right track. But then Sonic Adventure 2 came out and there were Sonic Colors and one where he became a werewolf and I just fell off the franchise and I've always meant to get back and I played a little bit of Sonic Generations and I saw potential there and there was some fun because they were mixing what people loved about the new games and old games and were trying to trim out the stuff that they didn't really like. And that's why Sonic Forces has me somewhat excited. I wasn't blown away by the first footage shown, but I like the fact that they're letting you play as the different eras and feeding into that nostalgia, which I think is Sonic's strongest ally. Because a lot of people remember him fondly, even though the games may not hold up as well, and though you were going fast, you were stopping and running into walls all the time. But they're really trying to focus on that nostalgia, especially with their Twitter account, which is great, and you should definitely follow them, because they tweet out some pretty hilarious stuff. But Sonic Forces is going to allow you, like in Generations, to play as modern Sonic, as classic Sonic, and also as a character you create. And I know there were a lot of memes and a lot of funny stories coming about how they're going to make some ridiculous characters, but it's going to be nice to be able to make Sonic your own and to give you that touchstone and that relatable piece that you can say you created and put into that world. And I can't wait to see all the characters that are being shared because it's going to be pretty hilarious. But say what you will about the actual games, the character of Sonic and even Tails and Knuckles and the Chaos Emerald, I think are a very, very special place in gaming. And as we've seen, they've come into Smash Brothers, which was a great addition. 
and they're a part of the Mario and Sonic Olympics. And I think he is an important character that I would really hate to see die because he's a very important part of history. He comes from a time when games were still in their infancy and Mario and Sonic were fighting for their supremacy and there was a battle going on, a Sega kid or a Nintendo kid, and who would be the winner? And I would hate to see that being lost, especially in an age where games are being remastered and movies are being rebooted in all sorts of ways. There's certain characters that I think deserve a place alongside the greats, and I think Sonic is one of them, and I appreciate them for continuing to try and make it better. And though we've had to deal with a lot of terrible games, sooner or later I feel like they'll find that right balance and hopefully bring them back to a game that is worthy of discussion and a lot of excitement and fun. And what I would love to see out of a game is bring back those story elements, let you see games from different perspectives. Don't try and get too fancy with all these crazy levels that may look cool on paper but just feel very rigid and not very fluid. It has to feel, you want to get that sense of speed. That's what makes Sonic so great. It can't come at the expense of messing up and just ruining your momentum and everything. But first, we get Sonic Mania. And when that launches on August 15th, we'll get to see what people really think about those classic games because this was built with that in mind. Sonic Forces is coming out later 2017, so we're going to get two fixes of Sonic, and hopefully they're good ones. But, my friends, that remains to be seen. And hopefully at E3 we get a good look, and we'll really be able to see the direction that Sega is taking our favorite Blue Bomber. And that's all that I'm going to talk about about Sonic. Now topic three is all about release dates. Release dates, release dates, release dates. This story started when I read a story about Final Fantasy VII and Kingdom Hearts III when it was said that these games will release in, quote, the next three years or so, unquote. So that's basically putting us at 2020. Now, Final Fantasy VII was announced, while well, the remake was announced in 2015, while Kingdom Hearts 3 was announced in 2013. This is just crazy. And on top of that, Shenmue 3, which I backed Kickstarter, and during that Final Fantasy VII E3 press conference for PlayStation, they announced that that was coming back, and I was through the roof because I loved Shenmue, and I could not believe that this was actually happening. And a funny story, I actually bought Shenmue3.com and owned that URL, and put a site to petition to make that happen, and now it's true. So that was just a little cool story with my history of Shenmue. But that's another game that, while that Kickstarter started in 2015, and it has a had a tentative, well, I think it still does, has a tentative release date of 2017, the development team recently came out and said they're not going to be at E3, they're going to focus on development. So it looks very likely that they're not going to be hitting that original date. Now, I'm all for delays. I understand that that happens, and it's always for the better, usually, unless it's a complete disaster. But having a game delayed usually makes a game better. And it always makes me think of the Shigeru Miyamoto quote that says, A delayed game is eventually good, but a bad game is bad forever. And that's very important to consider. But there's a difference between a game being delayed and being announced way, way, way too freaking early. When a game gets announced so early, and I understand from these companies' perspectives, and especially towards investors, they want to get this big news out there to say, hey, we're developing it, this is going to be the great next big thing, and come invest with us or get excited for this game. But the problem is, when that happens, and you go years without information or valuable information, and you keep saying, oh, this team changed, or it's in development hell, or this happened, or this happened, it starts to wear on your excitement. I've had that happen a lot of times with not even just games, 
But movies, the one that I always think about when this topic comes up is Avatar. Not Avatar The Last Airbender, which is one of the greatest shows of all time, thank you very much, but Avatar, the movie, James Cameron's epic that came out in 2009. And shortly after it made 600 bajillion billion dollars, James Cameron announced that there's going to be an Avatar 2, and a 3, and a 4, and a 5, all the way up to 500,000. We are sitting in 2017, and we still don't have Avatar 2. It was recently said that now it's going to be December 18th, 2020. So that's going to be almost 11 years since the first Avatar came out. And recently at Disney World, they launched Pandora, where you can go into this Avatar world. But I start to think, who cares about this franchise? I mean, it was a great movie, and I enjoyed it. And seeing the beauty of this world and James Cameron pushing the technology was fantastic. But it gets to a point where I'm just like, I don't care. Maybe I'll care when the movie comes out. But why get our hopes up and then get people so excited and then have it just blow up in your face? It just makes me so frustrated. And on the opposite spectrum, I think of Fallout 4, where it was announced in June of 2015, and it came out in November of 2015. That's a five-month lead time. That's enough time to get excited and to be so thrilled about a game. And I get that Fallout has a certain swagger and certain prestige about it, and it will really sell itself without advertising. And I get the lead-up, especially to a new title. A year, two years. That's really, I think, where it hits the threshold of just really getting annoying and silly. I know as a gamer, you don't have to focus on these things. And you can focus on the games and say when they come, they come. It just gets so frustrating, especially when you're covering news and trying to find out all this information. And people come out saying the game's coming along great. And we're so excited for this game. And then you hear that it's barely even in development. I just get so frustrated with that kind of stuff, especially because, I mean, I am, I get very excited about games. I do understand that. And especially a game like Final Fantasy VII, which happens to be my favorite game of all time. I was very, very excited for that remake, and I knew it would be a little ways away, but having to wait this long is just crazy. And that's really all I wanted to say on this topic, but I just wanted to bring it up just to vent my frustration from time to time. I'm not going to be complaining a lot about some things, but especially with something as near and dear to me as Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts and Shenmue just all hitting on the same day. But as I said, developers take as much time as you want, 10 years, 20 years, I don't care whatever it takes to make the game as great as it can, but just be wary of when you're announcing it and what that might do to the image of the game. That's all I have to say. And in the meantime, I'll be hibernating until 2020 so I can just play this Final Fantasy VII Remake and see what this is all about. So wake me up when 2020 comes around, will you? Thank you. <laughs> and that's topic three. And that ends episode five of The Gamer's Advocate. Now, if you would like to be a part of The Gamer's Advocate family, please like us on Facebook. Please follow us at Twitter at Gamer's Advocate. Please send us an email, adam at thegamersadvocate.com. Subscribe below, review us in iTunes, become a part of the family, like I said. If you want to follow me, I'm at Adam Bankhurst. I'm very excited about next week because not only is it the week before E3, but next show will be all about my E3 predictions. I'm very excited to do that, and I'm very excited to probably be wrong on every single one of them, but it'll be fun to do and look back once E3 is over. And the following week, when E3 happens, I will be in L.A. on the show floor, bringing you all the coverage and talking about all my feelings of the incredible titles that will undoubtedly be shown at the Video Game Super Bowl, as I like to call it. So once again, I want to thank you for joining us as we explore all the incredible topics in the world of video games. And I hope you have an incredible day and or night. Thank you. Thank you.